Welcome to the Public Speakers Association podcast, where we support you delivering your message through community and collaboration. We talk with successful speakers about how you can continue to grow your business and message through speaking. I am your co-host, Jason Antelek, owner and CEO of the Public Speakers Association. And I'm your co-host, LZ Flinnard, the mayor of Podcast Town. Good to have everybody with us again. Thank you very much for joining us for the Public Speakers Association podcast. We have with us the incredible Barbara Ingracia, who is our managed copyright expert. Barbara, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about content security. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Barbara, you've been with Public Speakers Association for quite some time and through a number of iterations, and uh, you've always been here supporting people with their intellectual content, making sure that people have uh, an idea of what that what that means and why to do it. So will, will you help our folks understand what, first of all, what that means? What, is, what does content security mean for speakers? We're creating as speakers intellectual property. We think about our physical property, our cars, our homes, and whatnot, and how we protect those. But from our minds, we're creating intellectual property. And we speak. We have websites and (laughs) blogs and podcasts and whatnot. And uh, those are valuable. Our message transforms lives. Unfortunately, there are people out there who like to just steal property, whether it's your car or your website. And your website, they can do with a click of the mouse. So security is something we may not consider, but we need to. And one extra thing for speakers is that when we're speaking on live stages, when that happened and when it will happen again, um, we are just expressing words, you know, putting it out there. And copyright protects the expression of an idea that is fixed in a tangible medium. So in print, audio, video, thumb drive, hard drive, whatever. So when we're speaking, what is our tangible medium? So we need to think in advance about that. Um, how are we protecting our intellectual property? Our host, our venue may be recording it, but that doesn't necessarily help us, doesn't necessarily protect us. So that's an aspect of security that's a little different from speakers. So, Barb, can you talk about some of the different types of of content and ways to protect that content? Well, certainly intellectual property, we have patents and trademarks and copyright. Copyright is the one that most of us encounter on a daily basis in professional and personal lives. So our website, our blog, our podcasts, our social media posts, our photos, our videos are all forms of that expression in a tangible format. Our YouTube channel, uh, our social media posts are all coming from our imagination, our mind. It's our intellectual property. And So much as we buy insurance to protect our physical property, we need to take some measures to protect our intellectual property. There's nothing worse than 
waking up in the morning, going over to the computer, booting it up, doing a little scrolling, and suddenly finding your stuff on somebody else's website. And talk about a nightmare and a horror, sh horror show. We want to avoid that. Barbara, as someone with intellectual property and somebody that has a blog and, and, and does those kinds of things, what steps would you suggest that we take to initially, if we're someone who creates that kind of content, what should we be thinking about right now? Well, certainly initially, the simplest thing is the old C in a circle, copyright notice. A C in the circle, the year, and your name or your business name, whatever's claiming the copyright to that. I advocate adding contact information there so that people can get in touch with you if they want to know about how they can use your material. Typically, we see all rights reserved. That's more of a, a licensing thing, a contractual thing, than it is copyright. But we often see that uh, copyright, year, name, all rights reserved. Adding that contact information, uh, um, email address that's just for that purpose. People cannot say they did not know this was protected by copyright and that they did not know how to contact you. Since uh, 1989, it has not been necessary for us to include a C in a circle. It's not been necessary to register with the U.S. Copyright Office. So there are things out there that there's nothing on them. There's no C in a circle. There's no name. Uh, and so we tend to think, especially in the digital age, that it's floating around out there in cyberspace. So it's just waiting for me to grab it and use it. Why else would someone put it out there? And I can right click and copy and paste. So it's technically possible. So it must be okay. So putting people on notice that this is your property is an important step. Now, Barb, talk a little bit about the, the technicalities of it, right? Because um, I have a, a, a music background and I happen to know that oh. the second I record something, technically it's copyrighted. It's mine. I own it. But somebody steals it. I, I need to have that work registered in order to legally take action. So talk about that aspect of, of protection. Actually, that's that's right. That's perfect. And I consider copyright to be a gray, murky ooze. But when it comes to music <laughs> copyright and recordings, oh, my gosh, it's practically that's, that's not comforting. <laughs> that's that's not comforting at all. I, oh, sorry. But well, it's extremely uh, accurate, though. <laughs> you know, there are so many, it's scary, so many, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> there are so many layers to that. If you have composed the piece and written the lyrics, you've got a copyright on uh, the music. But then you record it, there's that sound recording aspect, and that's a whole different layer. Do you need a sync license, a master license, a, uh, you know, a voluntary license? What do you need? So you're right. In order to take any legal action, you need to be have your work registered with the U.S. Copyright Office. That's a requirement before you can bring suit. Now, hopefully there are a lot of things, steps in place and things you can do before it comes to that, because that's a, uh, an expensive and time-consuming and distracting thing. But the registration process is not particularly difficult and not expensive. 
Ah, so so we've we've come to a fulcrum, right? Because because that's the spot where everybody thinks it gets super complicated and difficult, and uh, you know that that actually, where do you go to do that? That's where the big questions really start, right? If you're convinced, hey, I want to protect my stuff, that you know, then then you, you are you going down the rabbit hole? So what is what does that mean? Because because now you're kicking open the big door. I've got content that I want to uh, that I want to protect and I want to do it officially, what am I doing next? Well, we've got the C in a circle on there, but that's really just a heads up. It sort of protects you from from uh, uh, you know the honest people. No. And so if somebody's going further, registering with the US Copyright Office would involve um, an application and submission of the work. One copy, sometimes it's two copies. Oftentimes that can be done as a digital submission. And of course, there's paying a fee. There is, it uh, takes a little bit of time, especially these days, to get that back. So it's important to register that as soon as possible. There's been a case recently in which someone wanted to bring suit, but the application had not been approved yet. And really, you're just registering something that you already own. But this registration is what lets you take legal action. And so in that case, uh, the the uh, wronged party was not able to proceed with the case because they did not have the certificate in hand yet, even though they had registered, they'd started the process. And once registration is completed, the date that you submitted all your stuff is your effective date. So that's why this kind of went to court. So doing this is as early as possible is important, and it can be considered published or unpublished work. But the minute it meets that criteria of original creative work uh, of authorship, and that's broadly defined, fixed in a tangible medium, it is automatically copyrighted. So then it's that extra step to be able to take legal proceedings. And so not everything that you have is something you feel you need to protect. Um, and sometimes even when you want to go to court, you decide, mm, this is a cost of doing business. Uh, I need to go back and put in some protective measures to minimize the risk of this theft. So Barb, say I'm a, I'm a speaker and I'm going to do a video recorded keynote. Talk a little bit about things to look for in the contract and what aspects of that speech I might want to want to protect, right? So you have the audio mm -hmm. recording, you have the video recording, and then you have the actual keynote speech that you're going to be performing. Talk a, a little bit about if you're a speaker, you're signing this contract, maybe some things to, to look for, think about, and also what things do would, would one need to protect? Well, I advocate, as weird as it may seem, that you write down your speech or you record your speech prior to. Now, obviously, there could be some little nuances when you go live, but you have captured it. Now, what is the host planning to do with the recording? Are they going to post it only to uh, members with a password? 
Are they, and at a conference, that could be a lot of people. Are they going to post it on their public website? Are they going to sell it? So these are things to be concerned about. And certainly the more that they want to do with it, the more they should pay you. <laughs> if you're using images, you need to make sure that those are cleared to use, that um, you have license to use them in this way. Sometimes you license images for use on your website, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's licensed to be able to use in a presentation. So there are those things to be concerned about. Sometimes you, you see in publications or online or whatever, suddenly a video isn't available or suddenly an image isn't available. And that's oftentimes due to copyright issues. So you want to know, how are they going to be using it? Can you have a copy? Can you use it on your website? Can you use it in your marketing materials? You created it. And so you need to have control over how it's being presented. You don't want it to be presented in a negative way. So, um, you know, there's the old, old, old before your time. I love Lucy episode where she gets a publishing contract. And she is so excited. Well, they are putting it in a book of do not do this. Don't let this happen to you. This is the worst way to write. And so you never want to have your intellectual property presented in a way that does not build you up. <laughs> okay. First of all, I love I I love Lucy. I mean, oh, you, we kind of have to because oh, of the title, well, right? So <laughs> so not 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 necessarily before my time. I remember black and white and color episodes. I'm just saying. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> we watched it at our house. Um, but that that leads me to something I was wondering about, Barbara, because I to, to really hit home for me, I like to hear about, uh, you know, where how bad this could get right now. I, I, I say like to hear about as much as you can't take your eyes off of, you know, the 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 bad situation because you you, mm -hmm. you want to. You know, we have that human part of us wants to understand what not to get into. Uh, so I, I'm sure you've got some kind of copyright story where oh, everything yeah. went awry. So could you could you share something with us that, uh, you know, if you don't protect yourself, this don't let this happen to you kind of thing like you just alluded to? Well, correct. A uh, person who's now a client wasn't a client at the time because they contacted me in a panic. And content from her website had been used without her permission. As it turned out, she had had a new website designed, and the legal policies, terms and conditions, disclaimer, privacy policy, had not come over to the new site. And so when someone used her content in a way that she would not have allowed, she had no, no leg to stand on. So then it was back to getting those things in place. But you never know how how many people have have taken advantage of you so that you want to be in a website. You want to be telling people how they can use what they find and how they cannot use what they find. Sometimes entire websites have been stolen, even the about page, which just blows my mind. Um, another colleague had a, a book that was available both in print and uh, electronically. And she was informed by a casual friend that somebody was giving away the electronic version for free 
to that person's clients. Well, it knocked her off base completely. She was in legal matters for a year. She was diverted, distracted from her business. In effect, she wasn't, she was missing in action. So it was a nightmare. She did eventually reach a settlement, but it certainly didn't compensate her for her, her losses in time and energy, potential business, or even the uh, work itself. So it would have been simple for that person to ask her to license it for a particular use, and it would have been a nice, clean negotiation. So um, it's almost like identity theft. We know that happens. Every two to three seconds, there's identity theft. And so taking your intellectual property is like taking your business identity. Thank you for for sharing a couple of those situations. It sounds like it sounds like you don't realize how difficult it is till it actually happens to you. Right, and that's the unfortunate thing. You don't know what you don't know, and we're all like that. And we don't put in the security system until after the house has been robbed. So I like to be more proactive and Let's take some some simple measures to minimize that risk. And so one of them, for example, is that C in a circle, but also registering things that you consider to be particularly valuable. So you may have digital products, you may have workbooks, in addition to your keynote speaking and uh, the workshops that you do. Fantastic. That's that's such great advice. And the the easy step sounds like it can save you a lot of trouble later on. Just that one little cut and paste tagline at the right. bottom. And then when you've got bigger things, as you start to grow, it really is that uh, ounce of prevention sounds like it can be worth 10 pounds of cure instead of just mm. one somewhere down the road. So thank you for uh, for relaying you know what how easy that can be and how much trouble it can keep you out of. My goodness. Well, Mary, I share just a couple of questions for folks to consider. Sure. Um, are you capturing your speeches in a tangible medium? Are you using a copyright notice to your full advantage? Is your website secure and in compliance with the law? Things to think about, you know, sort of the behind the scenes, not the glamorous stuff. Thank you for the incredible insights and the information, Barbara. How can people reach out to you if they have more questions or they can't answer those questions for themselves? Well, my website is managecopyright.com, M-A-N-A-G-E-R-I-G-H-T.com. And my email address is barb at managecopyright.com. And I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone who who wonders about their situation. So thank you so much for this opportunity and for all that PSA does to advance the the skills and the industry of speaking. Thank you for being an integral part of the Public Speakers Association and always participating in what we do. Uh, We will see, uh, well, we'll hear and communicate with everybody in the next episode. Thanks for listening. 
to learn more about the Public Speakers Association and how you can be part of our speaker community and the amazing opportunities we provide, please visit us at publicspeakersassociation.com. You can also hop on my schedule to chat with me personally about how Public Speakers Association can support you in your speaking business and career. And if you're a speaker and would like to learn more about leveraging the power of podcasting to broadcast your message, pay us a visit at podcasttown.net.